Um, morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Unfortunately, you can't see who's with me right now, but Joe's right there and the Chanseys are right here. Just so, just remember that they're here with us too. <laughs> um, so if, if I haven't gotten to meet you before, my name's Andy. Uh, I'm on staff at the Bridge Montrose as the director of Gathered Life. And starting last Sunday, uh, I started us in this month-long series that we're going to be doing throughout June, um, specifically on living on earth as exiles. And uh, an exile is, is the simple definition for it that we're kind of using is it, exile is someone who's living outside of their true homeland. Um, and our anchor passage for this whole like, descriptor of our identity in Christ uh, comes from Hebrews 11, uh, verses 13 to 16. So um, I want to reread that just so that we can get refreshed on kind of this core passage for our entire series. Um, so Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16 says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so, um, just a, again, a refresher, kind of the three main points to take away from that passage for this entire series is that first, as heavenly citizens in earthly exile... Uh, we cannot expect to ever feel truly at home here on earth. Uh, the second point is, we can endure through the difficulties of earthly exile by setting our eyes and our hopes on the better heavenly homeland that God has promised to us. And finally, um, God is proud to be called the God of his exiles, imperfect yet faithful. Um, so not only did we kind of break down that passage last week, but we also... Uh, specifically looked at the life of Abraham and uh, the first act of faith that he made when God called out to him, when God, when God asked him to leave the land of his fathers uh, to go out into, a, into the wilderness. Um, and so Abraham, despite being asked to do something that was very risky and uncertain for him, uh, he obeyed simply because he trusted God's promises and plans. He took God at his word. So the, the principle for thriving in exile that we, that we can learn from Abraham is that in the face of uncertainty and fear, uh, we can simply trust in what God has promised and planned for us and obey him because we trust him. So today specifically, we'll be looking at Moses' life, um, specifically at his response to God's call to leave everything behind, uh, to do something very uncomfortable. Um, and the question that I think will help guide us today is, is where do we get the courage um, to, to enter into exile and to, um, to leave behind the comforts that are very tempting for us to stick to that prevent us from following God? So uh, let me pray for us this morning and we'll continue. Um, Father God, I uh, just thank you for the opportunity to come together um, in person and electronically as a, as a church body. We thank you that um, you are faithful, God. You are good and you are true. You are just. Uh, you love us, God. You love us undeservedly. And um, we just thank you for uh, your word amongst many other things. We thank you that your word is is what you have breathed out and, and you've given us to, to know you and to, to hear you. 
um, to learn from you, God. And I pray that this morning that, um, God, that you would speak, not that I would say anything, God, but simply that you would speak your goodness and your love and your truth um, as we dig into the text and um, ultimately learn and seek to learn what it means to, to live in exile well, God, um, for that's what you've called us to. And so um, I just thank you uh, for this morning and pray that you'd be with us. Pray the same thing we're Jesus. Amen. All right. So um, I want to thank Hannah for doing that, the story for the kids about Moses. Um, I, I, not, not to be redundant, but I kind of want to highlight some of the main points of Moses' story for us as we kind of really dig into this morning. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you, if you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with a lot of these story points, but uh, just for the sake of uh, remembering a few key things. Moses was a Hebrew. Um, he was born during a 400 plus year period when the Hebrews were enslaved by Egypt. Um, and Moses specifically was born right around the time that the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, was actually having all Hebrew newborn boys uh, killed in order to curb the population. Um, and so his mother, in her attempt to save him, um, Moses ended up in the hands of actually Pharaoh's daughter. And who she knew that he was a Hebrew and still wanted to keep him and raise him. And so Moses was raised as Egyptian royalty. Um, and he, he too knew that he was Hebrew this whole time. Um, so finally, uh, in his adulthood, he, grew, he started to grow sensitive to the suffering of his fellow Hebrews under Egyptian enslavement. And Moses ended up actually killing an Egyptian who was harassing a fellow Hebrew at the time. And Moses ended up fleeing Egypt because Pharaoh intended to kill him. So Moses wound up in the land of Midian, where he spent the next 40 years. Um, and he actually, in those 40 years, he got married. He had two sons, and he started making a living for himself as a shepherd. But one random day after these decades of making a, a, you know, a new life for himself, um, God called out to him. God, God confronted Moses. And this is, this is the God of his, his answers, his ancestors, the God of the Hebrews. And what God said, he instructed Moses to leave Midian, to leave that all behind, to return to Egypt in order to free the Hebrews from enslavement. So one thing that's really a, a very interesting parallel to take note of is, is Moses, in a way, had the same choice put before him that Abraham did when God first called to him, in the sense that, God called him to leave his homeland. And so Moses had the choice of either obeying God and leaving or ignoring God and staying comfortable. Um, as, as I've kind of talked about, Moses had built what I would think most people would describe as a comfortable life for himself as best as we can know, having a family and, and, and being able to just live a simple life as a, as a shepherd. Um, and he had to do, he, had, he built that for himself after having to completely restart over at the age of 40. And so it would have, you know, I think most people would be very tempted to just stay, stay put, to stay in this new home that he's made and um, with, with, a, with a wife and kids and this simple life where everything is seemingly safe and comfortable. Um, but he could also, he, he could leave that behind. He could leave behind the comfort and the safety of this new home that he had made um, and become an exile again because of his faith in God, his obedience to God. So I think this begs the question is, why and how did Moses obey the call to leave, to leave things behind, to risk even death 
he knew that he could possibly die. Why would why and how would Moses do this? And so Hebrews eleven uh, twenty three to twenty seven, which is just a few verses after our our core passage for this whole series, uh, it tells us. So I'm going to read from Hebrews eleven twenty three to tw- sorry twenty four to twenty seven. So it says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So how is it that Moses had the faith and the courage to do something so uncomfortable, so dangerous, so difficult? Verse 26 specifically really gives us a, 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 an answer. Verse 26 says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So I want to break that down real quick. Um, I think treasures of Egypt is relatively self-explanatory. Egypt was a highly advanced civilization. Um, and its royalty lived extremely luxurious lifestyles, as far as we can tell. Um, and Moses himself had experienced that for decades. He grew up in that luxury and comfort that Egypt as a kingdom knew. Um, but he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all those treasures. And reproach of Christ refers to the intense mockery, persecution, and torture that Jesus undeservedly suffered at the hands of of fellow Jews and uh, Gentiles, Romans in in this case. Um, And he suffered all that simply because he was obedient to his father's will. So it's not that Moses knew the specific ways that Jesus was going to suffer at the hands of of the Pharisees and of the Pilate and the Romans, but the author of Hebrews, um, he wrote after Jesus' life. The author of Hebrews knew about Jesus' suffering. And so the author of Hebrews likened Moses' willingness to suffer in obedience to God, to Jesus' willingness, um, knowing that he would be mocked and ultimately crucified. So the, the, the fundamental principle that we can take away here, the bottom line from Moses, is that to thrive as exiles, um, when we're tempted to pursue and prioritize our own comfort, for him it being Midian or Egypt, um, we have to set our, our hearts and our minds on the eternal reward. The end of verse 26 says, for Moses, he was looking to the reward. So it's easy to think that we ourselves will never be tempted with that same sort of comfort or wealth that Moses had when he was an Egyptian prince. But while that may be true, um, there, are all, there are still so many ways in which we are tempted to pursue and prioritize our own comfort instead of God's plan. Moses just as easily, again, could have stayed home with this simple life that he had built um, and, and just enjoy the rest of his days in peace. Um, um, but before we go further, just so that we're all on the same page, I want to take some time to define what comfort is. Because um, I think that might be a word that we hear a lot, but kind of take for granted. Um, so the, one of the dictionary definitions I saw that comfort is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. And just in my own mind, kind of my own operative definition of the word is comfort is anything that's easy or familiar or safe or pleasing. 
Um, and I want to be very clear that there's nothing wrong with any of those things. With There's nothing wrong with those aspects of comfort in and of themselves. Um, and even more so, God, our God is a God of comfort. He comforts us especially in our times of sorrow and suffering. Um, but I think especially in our sorrow and suffering, which I would also liken to discomfort, um, it's all too common that instead of us looking to God and his promises for comfort, we seek immediate fixes on our own. Um, one thing that I've become acutely aware of uh, during this quarantine is just how easy and reflexive and impulsive it is for me to start um, some, doing something to just try and self-satisfy this, this angst and this um, this emptiness inside me, whether that's like just starting to stream something on like one of the zillion platforms or buying something on Amazon or even just looking for a snack when I'm not actually hungry. Like all these things are examples of, at least for me, of trying to usually try to like address the discomfort that I'm feeling. And I, it's, it's so unconscious most of the time. And unfortunately, this constant discomfort that we're definitely feeling now in quarantine and all that stuff, um, it's characteristic of the world that we live in now. It's, it's a world that's tainted by sin. It is broken. It's not the way God designed it to perfectly be and, and operate. Um, and so because of that, we are going to feel the exhaustion that comes from constantly being um, s- submitted to this, this angst, this brokenness. Um, and and I think the natural human impulse is to try and fix it on our own. But I think re- realizing, we have to realize that the life as exiles, um, inevitably, though not always, to be clear, the inevitably involves discomfort. It doesn't always involve discomfort, but inevitably will involve discomfort because we aren't living in our true home, the, the better heavenly homeland that's talked about by the author of Hebrews. Um, And to be clear, all of us who acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are exiles. We are exiles on earth. It's not not a choice that we made separate of Christ. It is because we have chosen Christ, we are exiles. And so because this earth is not our true home, even though sometimes we really want to make it feel that way, we feel like it can be, um, we're going to frequently face the uh, uncertainty, the temptation, uh, even danger the danger that indicates that, yes, this is not our true home. So um, my, my, my one comfort, and hopefully the one comfort for all of us, is that it's by God's grace that we will just continually grow in our awareness of these things that cause us discomfort, the things that drive us to selfish, sinful coping mechanisms, like I mentioned. Um, and even more so, by God's grace, uh, we will grow in our ability to, to remember the eternal reward promised by our faithful Father in heaven, to set our, our hearts and our minds on that, and to remember that our sufferings are a small reminder of the suffering that Jesus himself endured on our behalf because of his obedience to the Father. Philippians 2.8 says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As, as, as it's obvious, that, that's the opposite of comfort, being willing to be obedient to the point of death and death on a cross, which was at the time the most humiliating way of dying. But Jesus knowingly and willingly suffered and died in obedience 
um, to the Father. Um, And now he sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father forever. And so likewise, our reward is, is, is this eternal heavenly homeland to look forward to. So today, there's a chance you might be listening and not consider, yourself, not consider Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And given, given what I had said earlier, what I've said earlier about Christians being earthly exiles that inevitably face discomfort in life, I totally understand if you feel even less inclined to align yourself with Jesus. Um, but while we readily acknowledge that the life of following Jesus will involve discomfort um, and suffering, uh, this promise of a, of, a, of a home that is better, that's eternal, that's heavenly, that is, that, is, that is a hope that I don't think anything can overshadow because it's an eternal hope. Um, and on top of that, honestly, regardless of what you believe, life on earth, because it's a messed up place, it's going to bring discomfort and suffering. Um, and so really it's, it's in these, the difficult things it's in following Christ that these difficult things, the uncertainties, the fears, the dangers, the discomfort, they all find meaning in light of following Jesus as he lived. And so uh, just my invitation to you is to consider, yeah, like, no, the world's not an off. It's not a perfect place. It's a scary place and it's an uncomfortable place, but with Jesus following in his footsteps, living alongside his people, we have the opportunity to, to live through that well, to, to thrive even, knowing that this ultimately is not our final home. Um, and so simply for, for those of us who do acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, um, I just want to encourage us to, to be like Moses, to, to withstand those temptations of whether it's the, the opulence and wealth of Egypt or the simple pleasures and comfort of, of this family life that's very um, safe, uh, to, to, not be, to not be allured by the temptations that are very temporary ultimately. As, as verse 25 says, the fleeting pleasures of sin. That's what the author of Hebrews is talking about. All those things are temporary. They all fade in some way, shape, or form. Um, and we do that by, by instead fixing our gaze, our hearts, our minds, on the reward that is to come and knowing that we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It's not a path that hasn't been walked before. It's not a path that's impossible. It is impossible when we're by ourselves, but it is possible looking to Jesus and walking alongside each other. Um, and so I know it's, you know, thinking about maybe this, I know for myself in prep, preparing for this, uh, there was moments where I felt a lot of, I guess, shame for how I've, I think responded poorly to this quarantine and to the discomfort that it's caused. Um, and if you're kind of in that boat, um, you know, I just invite you to remember the grace of God, that there's no condemnation in Christ. Um, and that God is proud to be called the God of his exiles, knowing that they're all going to be imperfect. We're all imperfect. We're all unfaithful at times, but ultimately fixing our eyes on Jesus, remembering, um, the life he lived, remembering the reward that he looked to, that Moses looked to, that Abraham looked to, um, that is, that's our, that's our, that's the grace that God gives us. And so, um, I'm just grateful to be able to, to share this and, uh, pray that we would just, uh, continue to, to live this way, to pursue this together in our house churches, whether that's electronically or in person. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll just, uh, pray now and then we're, Kurt's going to lead us in time of communion. Um, Father God, it's so hard to, 
to fully fathom. It's actually impossible to fully fathom um, just the power of your grace um, in, in the day to day, knowing how easy it is for me to, to try and, and quickly and temporarily um, deal with all the discomfort that comes with being in exile, God. Um, God, I thank you for this message and the timeliness for me. Um, I hope that um, you use this to encourage and speak to um, my brothers and sisters here as well, God, uh, knowing that um, you are proud to be called our, um, our God. Uh, and I thank you that um, it's all because of Jesus, God, and his willingness to step into exile uh, for us, for, for your glory, God, um, to that, that we have this relationship with you, that we have this life, that we actually can thrive in a broken earth, God, knowing that um, you, you are preparing a better heavenly homeland for us. Um, so I pray that you would be our strength, um, that your spirit would embolden each one of us, God, that we would be uh, vessels of encouragement for one another, God, um, to really uh, day by day, pursue the same path that Jesus lived and the Moses lived that Abraham lived of, of daily obedience. Um, we know we'll stumble, but God, we thank you for your grace, um, that has no end. And so, uh, yeah, I just thank you for this time and pray these things in your son, Jesus. Amen.